Welcome back to Company of One. This is episode number 138. I'm your host, Dale Callahan, and today I'm sharing with you the, oh, a question I get so often. How do you find the time and money to start a side business? Sometimes we call this a side hustle, right? But we don't ever have the time or the money to do these. These two are just like the two evil villains out there trying to stop you from starting something to bring in more money, maybe bring in more freedom. So here on the company of one today, that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do, I'm starting something a little new, kind of jumping back into trying to get people on iTunes. I'd love your review. Listen to what we have to say today. Love to get a review of it. So I'm just going to look at a shout out to Lbeard4. Now, I don't know who Lbeard4 is, but he said, I had Dr. Callahan as professor at UAB, and his advice helped me gain a career. I'm always sharing his website with others. A great way to help people get started before they're ready. So, Lbeard, I don't know who you are, but thank you so much for the uh, event. I mean, obviously, I do know who you are, but uh, thank you so much for the shout out, and uh, thank you for the review on iTunes. And uh, so that's the kind of thing. That's what we want to help you do. I love that last statement. Great way to help people get started before they're ready. You know, because we never feel ready. We never feel ready because quite honestly, we never have the time or money, do we? So one of the things that we're dealing with in here is the getting startups. Uh, I am not trying to get people to leave their day job. People always ask me that. Why do you want people to leave their day job? Well, I'm not. That's not the goal here. If that's what happens to you, great. But most of us need some kind of side gig, side income to balance the scales. What happens if you get fired tomorrow with nothing? What happens because you have a single source of income? So the side hustle is just about smoothing that out. I talked about that in the last episode. 137. So if you go to delcallahan.com slash 137, you see about starting a side hustle, finding ideas. And today we're going to talk about how to find the money for starting a side hustle. You, the show notes will be at delcallahan.com slash 138. Let's just jump in. First of all, I want to deal with a reality check. Um, the assumptions that people make about jumping into a business, a side business, a full-time business, any of the, it's always the same. It costs a ton of money. People will always tell me, Dell, I don't have the money to start my business. And I will make the comment to them, how much is it going to take? And usually they don't know. Or they will start out with, I think it's going to take about $100,000. And you're, Why? What's the cost breakdown? What's the startup cost? And, and a lot of times there, there are. I want to buy X or I want to buy Y. Uh, or I just think that's what it costs to start a business. So I want to get rid of that reality. As a reality check, I want to get rid of that expectation right up front. Many businesses start with zero dollars. Matter of fact, Zappos Shoes, which got acquired by Amazon. Now it's an Amazon company. Uh, started with absolutely no money. We'll talk about how that kind of thing happens all the time. So many companies start with no money. Zappos Shoes, I think we can all agree, is not a minor success. It's a huge success. Started with zero. 
They got money later, but they started with zero. Also, many companies start with a lot of money and don't do so well. I've been part of the ones who've had millions of dollars worth of investments and they just didn't go anywhere. They, and then I've been part of some that had very little investment that went much better. So here we are. It's, it's, it's don't let the amount of money that you talk to start your company make you think that's where who your company is. You start with as little as possible and you can start with nothing almost no matter what kind of company. We'll talk about that. The second thing of a reality check is many have started while they have full-time jobs and they've made it happen. So I'll give you an example here in a few minutes about a pressure washing company that started uh, out of our graduate program and uh, in a in flipped lifestyle. Some of you are familiar with them and their podcast. They have the example. Both of them were school teachers started on the side. Oh, there's so many examples of people who have started on the side, grown side income, and turned it into full-time businesses. And there's the example of my friend who had $300,000 of side income and still had a full-time job. So yes, you can do it with the money you have, and yes, you can do it with the time you have. That's just the reality. Uh, I'm not saying that's easy, but the reality is it is done, and it's done often, and you could do it, right? It's a matter of just making sure where your priorities are. Let's talk about how to do that. So let me break it down into two different things. We're going to talk about how do you deal with the money issues first, because that's always the big one, right? And, and then let's talk about how you deal with the time issues. So start with money. Most people who want to start a side business aren't sitting there with piles of money in their pocket. Otherwise, they wouldn't be having this conversation, right? So number one, start small. Use what you have. Use your cell phone that you have. Use the computers that you have. Use the tools that you have. Use your mind. Be creative. You don't need to just because you start a business and you have a computer sitting at home, you have a cell phone in your pocket. You don't need to suddenly say, well, I need a business phone and a business computer and all these kind of things. No, you don't. Uh, I remember I I was part of a startup and the guy that was running the startup, we had just gathered some venture capital and he said, what we need to do is go buy computers. And he went into this computer store at the time and said, I want to buy five of the most expensive computers you have. Uh, the sales guy loved it, right? But the um, it was not needed because everybody on the team had their own devices. We could have made this work. Uh, so think about what you already have. Everything you have in your possession, your, your computer, as long as it's owned by you, right? Your computer, your cell phone, your, uh, your car, uh, tools in your garage, a lawnmower in your garage if you're starting a lawn company. Anything you already own is usable by your business. So think that when we think about starting small, that's what we're thinking about. What is already in your possession? And then secondly, focus on serving your customers' needs, not your expectations. Now, that's a key thing. Let me give you an example. When we started the Ask Dr. Callahan homeschool business, and at the time we were focused on homeschool math, I had this expectation we need a studio. And what we were doing is we were filming 
um, teaching of math. We were putting it on DVD uh, and, and on the internet. So the kind of thing we see, this is very common today. We were a little before that maybe, but we were going to put it on DVD and provide education. Well, I perceived, Dale's perception was that we needed a studio. We needed high-end video equipment. We needed high-end editing. And uh, then my wife was pointing out to me, she said, no, the customer doesn't care about that. They just want somebody to teach them the math. You're getting way too complex. And that's what I was. And by the way, that's a common thing that you will do. I'm not saying you probably will do. You will do it. You will overcomplicate how you serve your customer. Focus on what the customer needs. When she told me they don't care about packaging, they don't care about how it looks, they just, now, she didn't mean they don't overall. She said, but that's not the priority. The priority is they want somebody to take the pain away. Hear that word? Take the pain away of teaching their children math. That's the pain. Solve the customer's pain. Take care of the customer's need, number one. And don't get too caught up in the packaging of how you package your product. That all comes later. That all should come later. Uh, but don't get too caught up in it. Don't overthink it. So how do you do that? So we're still start. start this is all part of the starting small kind of thing. Supplement with renting or bartering. Let's say, for instance, you want to start a landscaping company, and, and you you uh, you have some experience, and you know how to use bobcats, and you know how to use dump trucks, and. And, you know, you're going to need some relatively big equipment. You don't need the kind of things you buy at Lowe's and Home Depot, a uh, blower and a, and, and a rake and a mower. You need some big equipment. And what a lot of people will do that start out with a company is they'll either go buy used or new equipment. Why? Go rent it. Go rent it. When you get a job to come do my yard and you're going to need a bobcat for two days, rent the bobcat. And just hire and then and then charge me for the rental fee to come do the bobcat. Build it into your structure of how you build a business. That's how these businesses get started. They don't go out and buy and buy a whole bunch of stuff right up front. So you just get started small. Bartering. My sister-in-law, she's a, an accountant, an accounting company. Uh, she, she owns the accounting company, and she's constantly, because she does accounting for lots of businesses, like let's say caterers, and when, when she needs something for her business, instead of you know paying for it necessarily, now she's not necessarily startup anymore, but she's way past that, but she will barter. She'll say, you know, we'll take care of your taxes <clears throat> in exchange for uh, us taking care of, uh, you taking care of, a party or, or an event for us. So bartering is a great way, great way to get started. So, but all of this is just be creative. Just start small. Don't spend any money. Because here's the traps. Starting small, avoid the traps. The traps are borrowing money. Borrowing money is puts your new business idea already underwater. 
it will kill it. I just can't tell you the number of times I've met with people that want to start a second or third business and what are they strapped with? They're strapped with a loan, a $100,000 or $200,000 loan they had from their last business that didn't go well for so whatever two different reasons and now they're trapped because they borrowed that money. By the way, there's no such thing as business loans. When you borrow money for your startup business, it's not a business loan, it's a loan to you. If your business closes, you still owe the money. If your business doesn't make any money that month, you still owe the money. Don't borrow money. How do you not borrow money? Start small. Don't lease anything either. Don't sign a four or five year lease on thing, which is just another form of borrowing. Instead, rent. Do not overpromise. So this is getting a bit, you know, but this is something that gets into the money issue. Do not overpromise to your customers what you can do. Promise only what you can deliver. Going back to the landscaping, you know, you can come out here and do my yard. Uh, but if you, you know, and it's so tempting, you know, when when we're getting out there and we're in business and we're talking to customers and new, and they say, "Hey, I want to build, I want you to redo my grass and my sod and plant some shrubs here, and that's going to take some bobcat work." And you know what I'm really hoping to do too is is build a a concrete wall over here and a patio, and you'll you're thinking in the back of your mind, "Hey, we could do that. We already have the bobcat out. I think I know how to do that," but you don't. And, and you get tr caught in this financial trap of now having to hire people to do the job that you couldn't do. So be real careful of that when you're talking about starting small. Don't overpromise what you do. Do what you do. So here's another part of the reality check. Most U.S. companies start with nothing. So I think the average, I looked it up, was two to $5,000 is the average startup in the United States. Um, and again, startup money does not have anything to do with how big your company's doing. So that's, that's the money trap or that's the money ideas. Start small. It should not cost you a ton of money to get started. I want to take that off the table. If you think you don't have the money to get started in a small business, you are wrong. And I don't really care what kind of a small business that you're talking about. There is a way to play it where you can get started now that doesn't cost you a ton of money. I've had millions of these conversations and, well, millions might be an exaggeration. I've had lots of these conversations, right, that uh, people are trying to do things and they think it's going to cost money and there's ways to you can work it out to do it very small. So now let's talk about the time issue, right? Because I can't I can't manufacture time for you. You can't manufacture it. If you do, you've got a great product to sell, right? So many of the businesses that start are people who work full-time, people who have children, people who have a life, people who have lots going on just like you, right? So I'm going to go back to Flipped Lifestyle, Shane and Joycelyn Sams or Jocelyn Sams. I'm not real sure, but anyway, they're they're a great couple. Both of them were school teachers, and they started uh, doing some online businesses, and they tell great stories on their Flipped Lifestyle podcast and uh, some of their material about how they got started and how they used their time, how they would swap out their time to do this. Uh, 
you know, even though they had kids, they had full-time jobs, they had a life. Shane was a football coach. So if you know anything about football coaches in high school, their time, because even after school, they're busy. So their time is very limited. Uh, Jocelyn, I'm also, I'm, hopefully I'm not mispronouncing that, but Jocelyn was a librarian. Uh, so, But again, if you know anything about the school system working in the K-12 through system, during the day, you don't have a lot of time. And even during the evening, a lot of your time is owned uh, by lesson plans and things that go on for the school system. So they managed to do it. And they are no longer teachers, but they're now flip lifestyle people. They're entrepreneurs and teach people how to be entrepreneurs. And they have a great podcast and great story. So where do you get started with this? How did, how did, how did somebody like Shane and, and Jocelyn do that. Start by auditing your time. I think about this as you you do what you're going to audit. Uh, we do this all the time, by the way, in our graduate program that people tell us, hey, we're so busy, we don't have any time to do anything. And the first thing we do, and, and by the way, that's true of everyone, right? I don't care what you do for a living. You don't have enough time. We do a time audit. We just, I'll tell them, how, see how much time you're spending on email See how much time you're spending in meetings. See how much time when you're sitting in the office that you you have in drive-by or somebody walks by your office just to chat, conversations. Record it for a week. By the way, every time we do that, their estimates are always half of the reality. I think I'm spending two hours a week in email. Really, I'm spending four hours. I think I'm spending three hours in meetings. Really, I'm spending six. It's about half on everything. They're, they're wrong. And so what it does is it gives you a picture of what's really going on. You need to audit it. Um, so think about this fitness pal, my fitness pal. People, it, there, there's been studies done, people that want to lose weight. You actually lose weight just by keeping track of what you eat. That's the beauty of my fitness pal. It creates an awareness of where you're wasting calories if you will where you're eating more calories than you're it's just the raw awareness so when you start tracking your time you begin to see where you're wasting it and it gives you awareness now my son he's 18 he's a book author he's written one book and he's working on his second and third book they're novels and he he's was busy telling me the other day that he is now a full-time writer he is so busy he doesn't have time to do everything so we had this very conversation how much time are you spending and he started he did a time audit just like i'm talking about and he came back in uh, our next meeting that we had as a, as a team and said, wow, I was spending a lot of time doing nothing. I mean, it wasn't nothing, but you know what I mean. It was unproductive. And it helped him start just tracking his time to be aware of where his time was spent so he could get uh, his book produced and get back on it. And by the way, I don't care how successful you have been, this trap will always be there. Because as soon as you've succeeded, this trap comes back and bites you again. Because you, you always think, well, I've got it handled. I've got my time issue handled. I've got my money issue handled. And you might can get the money handled. You're never going to get the time handled. You're always got to be aware and setting priorities. 
So you have to always end this lot. I have not met anybody yet, including retired people. Right? Have you ever met a retired person who seems busier now that they retired than you are? You feel like you're busy. Go find somebody who retired and see how busy they are. And, and you're like, how did you ever have time to work? Because it's a matter of priorities. Now, maybe a retired person has got the priorities set better, but it's a matter of priorities. As you just have to learn how to set them. And that's what auditing your time does. That's what it did for Daniel, our son, is he, he got to say, I want to get this book produced, and I'm spending my time doing this thing. So it helped him create alignment. He's still doing all the things he wants to do, the fun things. He's still doing all the things he has to do, uh, the work uh, unrelated to the fun work, um, things like chores, you know, and things, taking care of stuff that we do around the house, you know, all those kind of things. But it gave him a sense of priorities. You've got to do that too. And then you've got to carve out as much time as you can. Now, this is really the beauty of a startup company to me. You don't have much time. That sounds like a weakness. Actually, it's a strength. It causes you to be hyper-focused on those priorities. Think about 60-minute windows each day. I mean, right now with one of our companies, we do a two-hour window a day where we're working focused as a team on that activity. Two hours a day, that's that's a lot of time. I will just tell you, that is a lot of time to be putting toward an effort for a certain uh, period of time. But I've seen people spending 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, maybe it's more. Pick a period of time, put it on your calendar, and just say, during this time, I am working on my business. That's all you got to do. Make an appointment with yourself just as you would make an appointment with someone else and say, during this time, I'm going to be working on their business. So what it's not all day long? So what you don't have eight hours? So what you may not even have one hour? But what you can get done in 15 to 30 minute increments will shock you when you're focused. And here's the beauty of it. If you stop and think for today, how do I need to use this hour productively to make my business grow, that strategic thinking will actually make you more productive sometimes than a person who has all day long. You see it all the time. People's business gets so big, they're making a decent amount of money, and then they quit their day job so they can focus. You know, they're thinking, well, if I'm only getting two, let's say I'm getting two hours in a day. What happens when I can give it eight hours a day? I will four times the revenue in my business. And that's their thinking. What really happens is they quit their day job and they come home and they feel like, wow, I've got all this amount of time. I got time to think and ponder. Let me go run to the grocery store real quick. Okay, and while I'm at the grocery store, let me, oh, no, I got to go do another errand. And, and they actually go backwards. I see it all the time. I'm guilty of it. You would be guilty of it because you now that you've got that eight hours a, a day to focus on your business, eight or ten, pick a number, you really have to be disciplined. So the beauty of not having much is it forces you to be disciplined. 
it forces you right now to be disciplined. But the key thing, the key magical window for me, or the key thing for me, was to have a window to put it on my calendar and work in that time slot on my business. And I just put it, there's a whiteboard sitting behind me right now. You can't see it, but there's a whiteboard sitting behind me right now when we just write down, here's the things that we need to do on these projects. And when I get in the window of time, we just look at the whiteboard and we start working on those things. And then at the end of that time, whether it's 15 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it is, we just put on there what's got to be done next. Now it changes, but your key is focusing on what brings in the money. And when you've got a small amount of time, you don't get so worried about creating logos and all the other garbage that doesn't really matter that we'll talk about in a minute. So then focus on what you need to start. So let's talk about that time. Whatever time window you got, here's what you want to do. I'm going to put this in days. This may not make sense in days, but let's put it in days. Day one you got a 60-minute window, all right? Put it on your calendar. Stop this podcast and do it right now if you're not running down or driving, running down the road or driving or in a gym or something. But day one, define your services. Write it down simply. Don't get some com- kind of complex thing. If you're a, a lawn care services, don't talk about environmental control management. and Talk about I'd beautify people's lawns. Take the work away from them so they can enjoy their lives, whatever. You're just, you know, I cut lawns, I cut shrubs, I clean gutters. Just say what you do. Here's your services. Uh, I always like to be really simple, plain English. What am I, you know, if I, what do you do for people? I will mow your grass. Uh, I'll give you the pressure washing. You know, the guy was like, I'll pressure wash drives. It's this price point. I'll pressure wash your, your the curbs on the side of your road. That's this price point. Pressure wash your house. This this price point. Pressure wash your deck. Anyway, he had a couple of little things he did, and he has general price points. This is what I do. It's simple. It's not complicated. I can tell this to anybody, and, and you and that's what you want to do on day one. Will that take you 15 minutes? Probably. It's not as easy as I made it sound. Uh, but define your services. Actually, the more the more education you have, the harder that is. You overcomplicate it. Day two, what do you do with that next hour? Once you've done that next first thing, what do you do? You start saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Where do I find my customers? Who's going to pay me to do this? That's a really good question. That is the key question you should be asking. That is the question you should continue to ask yourself every single day. Where do I find my customers? Day three, once you know the answer to that, and by the way, so if it's the first one, if you're a local thing, you can pick zip codes. If you're somebody who's doing something, selling some kind of makeup service or tutorials, you go to tutorial or forums on the web. Maybe there's a Facebook forum on makeup, right? I'm sure there is. Facebook forums for or Facebook groups, uh, LinkedIn groups. How, where are those people who buy that kind of stuff? Go find them, right? That's what you are. And that's on day three is where you start advertising. Now, that doesn't mean paid advertising necessarily, but you start talking about the products and services. It may be printing flyers, putting them on neighborhood doors, knocking on doors. It may be buying an ad somewhere on Facebook. It may be... Um, 
you know, just getting in a group, a Facebook group, and start talking and listening, and uh, and it may be throwing a website up and getting that link out there. By the way, throwing a website up without you sharing that website information is a waste of time. So advertising, putting a website up is not advertising. Putting a website up and putting the link out there is advertising. So day three is that. Day four, keep advertising. Day five, serve, adjust, advertise. As soon as you start getting customers, serve them, adjust what you're doing, get feedback, and advertise. And day six to day 1,000, repeat day five. Serve your customers, listen, adjust your products and services as needed, and advertise. Notice that advertise is in there every single day. You need to learn to love to sell your products and services. You need to learn to love to sell your products and services. That's just a fact of business. Uh, That's actually a fact of life, even in industry, even if you have a day job, you have to learn to sell yourself. But learn to sell, love to sell your services, your products and services. So you see what I mean. Now, whether you use my day one to day six, doesn't really matter, is get really clearly focused on what you do, who you serve, and how do you get it in front of them and serve them to make money. Don't get caught up in all the other details because here's some of the traps. Focusing on the non-essentials, things like logos, business cards, office supplies, websites. If they're not in front of the customers that much or if they're not something your customers care about that much, don't focus on it, right? Don't get so caught up in that kind of stuff. Second is creating many systems, too many systems or overthinking it at first. Things like LLCs, bookkeeping, insurance. I'll, I'll point you back to episode number 115 where it says, do I need a big business license? And some of the common questions I get is business licenses, LLCs, S-Corps. I'm not an attorney, but I do know we start thinking about that before we think about how to market our products and services. We got it backwards. There's a few exceptions. The episode 115 will tell you about those. So you get, we get caught up in, in other words, business is about, if you want a side business, full-time business, business is simply about serving other people and, and them paying you for the service. It's not about bookkeeping. It's not about insurance. It's not about LLCs, S-Corps, sole proprietorships, all that, all that kind of tax treatment, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's important. It's not day one important. All right. So that's the mistakes you make. Another trap, though, you do avoid. I probably even shouldn't say this right now, but a trap to avoid is once you start making money, you now, many people fail to create the systems I just talked about. Once you do start making money and once you have started to stabilize and say, hey, I've got a product that's selling, I got customers calling, you have to start thinking about systems then. That's when you start growing. Uh, let's just leave that aside right now, right? Because don't think about that right now. I just said it, don't think about that. But you'll come to a point in time, you will need systems and you will need growth. So uh, this is this is it. You can You have the time and you have the money to start a side hustle right now. You've got it. It's right in front of you. Find a way to do it with no money 
and find hours, minutes, 15 minutes a day to start. All right? So share your ideas, by the way. Comments, you know, comment on this post. Email me. Let me know what you're trying. I always love to hear other people's ideas and what their businesses they're doing. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too large. I love to hear about them. Uh, some of the coolest business ideas. The pressure washing guy, by the way, I'm talking about. He came out of our graduate program, started a pressure washing service in his own neighborhood. He was suddenly, you know, I think he made $21,000 his first year doing simple little stuff. Talked about that in the last episode. So if you like what you hear here, I would uh, love to hear or hear from you and an iTunes review. Love to give you a shout out. So uh, go over to iTunes. There's a link here in the show notes to iTunes, uh, dalecallahan.com slash 138. And we will talk to you next week.